So I was waking up at four-ish to drive up and do our training session. And then I would head home, sleep, wake up, go to Buffalo Wild Wings, work like nine hours, and then just do that over and over again. Hello and welcome to the Offfield Rugby Pod. My name is Brian Moylet, former Irish age grade international, now playing and coaching in Canada. Each week I chat with a player or coach about their journey and get their insights. On Instagram I share content around mental performance and clips from the pods. So follow me there at offfieldrugby if that's something you're interested in. Also, if you enjoy the pod, please be sure to send it on to some friends who you think will get value from it. And please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening so that you don't miss an episode. Cheers! Today I'm chatting with Naya Tapper, who is the leading try scorer for the USA women's sevens team. Naya was a high school All-American sprinter, but chats about why she quit sport before deciding to start playing rugby in college. She explains why she turned down a contract from the USA Sevens to go in a different direction for a couple of years, and how when she decided to join the USA team, she was released pretty soon after. What she did then to keep the dream alive is pretty impressive. Naya chats about what she wants to bring to rugby from the black community and the track community. She talks about being really out of her depth at times as a player, how she has managed to upskill to get to where she is today, and how you grow as a player. We talk about what she's doing outside of rugby, her brand that she started a couple of years ago, and what her plans are for after she finishes playing the game. So here's episode number 41 with Naya Tapper. A lot of people stress about money. Where should you be investing? Are you prepared if there's a crash? And loads more. And if you're not an expert, finances can be really daunting. I know the people at Sparks Wealth, and they're brilliant. What they do is they educate you on your finances without any jargon. They create a personalized plan for you and manage your money so that it's working for you and so you don't need to be worrying about it. You can book a free, no-obligation Zoom call now on their website, sparkswealth.ie. So how's training going these days? It's been good. Right now I'm dealing with a minor calf injury, so just getting back in the groove of things with that. I should be back in the next two weeks, so looking forward to that. Um, The girls have been doing a lot of conditioning to be able to get fit to play how we want to play. So that's been exciting to watch um, the improvement that they've had in that area. And I'm looking forward to watching um, them implement that in Langford. Good stuff. And so how has that been away from the team? Are you kind of on your own doing your own rehab and stuff? Mentally, it is for me pretty peaceful. Just because in the rugby environment, you're dealing with 20 plus different women, different personalities, different characters, and you're also all being put together in this intense, hyper-focused environment. So to be separated from it and just kind of be in my own groove, have my music, have my own workouts and stuff like that, it's been nice, but Obviously, I definitely miss being on the pitch and I'm looking forward to getting back. 
Nice. And how is uh, getting everyone together? Like, like you say, 20 different personalities, mm-hmm. people and like culture and team environment is so important to everything. But how is that getting everyone on the same wavelength? We actually like each other. So we don't have a problem like putting time into our schedules to be able to hang out as a team. Uh, we usually have team events three or four times a year. Where, where us girls just go and do something fun, whether it's throwing a pool party, having a private dinner, things like that. Um, we also do a lot of culture work with our sports psychologists to make sure that if there's ever any issues in between players and teammates that we're able to um, combat that, we know how to communicate with each other, we know what each individual needs. So a lot of it is learning the different personalities, learning the different characters and how we communicate and working together in that area. And so how often would you see the sports psychologist? Um, So as a team, we usually, we work with him almost every day in terms of doing little exercises throughout our training days. Individually, it's all dependent on you. There are some players who don't see him at all. There are some players who see him every day and then for me personally I see him once a week okay that's cool so he he's like full-time in the environment and like yeah. in the kind of coaching setup as well as your like rugby coaches yes he's part of our staff okay interesting and so when you were in high school I saw you were a pretty high level track and field athlete talk to me about that So I started running track in seventh grade. I was running the 400 meter. And if you know anything about track, the 400 meter is considered the hardest event. And when you're young, you don't really think about stuff like that. You just go and do it. And that was kind of the mentality I had then with the sport. So I was really good at that race and then just continued running up up through high school and had a very successful time with the sport. Um, One of my favorite things about the sport was the people. Um, My coaches were amazing. They taught me what it meant to be confident. They taught me what it meant to be able to deal with criticism and feedback. Um, My teammates taught me how to eat properly. They taught me how to do core workouts. And um, they taught me how to balance academics, sports, and your social life. So I'm very grateful for all the lessons that I learned from track and field. And I obviously think it plays a big part in why I'm successful in rugby today. Yeah, I think it's, well, from an outside looking in, it looks far more like high pressure and difficult compared to rugby because you're out there on your own. Yeah. And I think with that, It is more pressure because you're by yourself, but if you mess up, you know you can only point at yourself. Whereas in rugby, it's a team sport to where you individually can have your best game and you guys can still lose by 30 points. So it's it's mentally hard or, you know, the team could win and you had and you could have had your like worst game. So um, I think. It was very hard to transition from an individual sport to a team sport where in the, on the individual side, as long as I did, the like, I only had to worry about myself doing what needed to be done to get the results that I wanted. And when I got to the rugby world, it was completely different where the outcome wasn't only based on you. 
So transitioning in that was tough. Yeah, that's an interesting one you say, because like in rugby, you can play your best game ever, but the team loses, but you're kind of happy because like, yeah. you, you, but like you can't be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you mentioned your confidence, like helping instill confidence. Like, were there any things in particular that made you more confident or that they helped you with? I think the beautiful thing about track and field is how much you're able to express your personality through what you wear. So you could wear any type of uniforms when you went to state to like national championships and state championships and things like that. So it was always fun for me and my relay team to go shopping and pick out the most brightest and loud uniform because we knew that we could back up whatever um, confidence that we were putting out with our outfits. You could wear earrings, you could have your nails done, you can do different things to your hair. And like people knew you not just for what school you played for, but who you were as a person. And I think that was very different from rugby where the uniforms are obviously very uniformed. Everybody looks alike. Um, you can't really get your nails done. Back then, many people didn't do different things with their hair. Like, I just felt like there was no expression in what we wore and how we looked. And so, like, the only way you could really express yourself was through your cleats. And even then, it was like, if you're not fast enough, you can't wear bright cleats. And luckily, I was fast enough that I could get some sense of expression through my cleats. But I think that was one of the things that I gained from track and field. Like, if you think about Usain Bolt. He's one of my role models to where he is super confident, super bold, and he he doesn't shy away from showing that no matter how many people are watching because he knows his his actions, his performance, the amount of time he put into his training will back that up. And I think that that could be um, done a lot more in the rugby world, where if you look on the women's side, we were talking the other day as a team about how women don't really do try celebrations and the question is you know is it a lack of confidence is it because you feel like you have to be serious because you are kind of the outsider in a sport according to our world um so i think it was important for myself coming from the black community coming from a track community where expression was always very important and bringing that into into the rugby world so that girls can be somebody outside of just this national rugby player. You could be a skater. You can be a shopaholic. You can be a world traveler. Just have something, have some more substance to your name and be able to express who you are. Cause if not, you're bottling it in and that sucks. Yeah. They're great points to make. And I fully agree. I think that in rugby, we need more people like expressing a mm-hmm. bit more than just like yeah like like with tri celebrations with wearing different cleats like i know in america like carl niles wears a headband that flows mm-hmm. out the back like no like that's just not done but sit, like just little things like it would make the game so much more exciting yeah i agree and uh i saw that when so you went to college and then you stopped doing track and you kind of stopped playing sports or being involved in sports mm-hmm. why did you decide to take a step back at that point my senior year of high school I had kind of gotten 
bored with track and field. Realistically, I knew I wouldn't go pro, so I didn't feel the need to commit full time to a track and field scholarship if I wasn't going to basically make money off of it. Um, So I decided going into college that I just wanted to focus on academics and be a college kid, party, shop, meet new people, those types of things. Um, And I was still working out at the gym, but over time, like it just wasn't this wasn't the same as sports. I didn't have that competitive edge that I loved so much. Um, So I decided to do rugby because it was a competitive sport, but also because it was a club team. So it wasn't so time committing. But then pretty quickly you got noticed, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, so I, w- I want to say two months into playing, um, I was invited out to a rugby camp here in Chula Vista. And I wasn't good, you know, like I was big and I was fast. And I think that's what they saw back then. And um, it makes sense because I think back then they were trying to create rugby players versus bring rugby players in. Um, and they offered me a contract during that time, but I had just started school and that was one of my main focuses. So I decided to decline that, but I still like, like playing. I still played throughout the rest of my college career. And then um, over that, those four years, slowly started loving the sport more and slowly started realizing what you could do with the sport in the U.S. in terms of playing on a national team, getting paid to play, and being able to go to the Olympics, World Cups, Pan Ams, things of that such, and seeing the benefits that I could get from it um, that I couldn't find in track and field and decided to take them up on their offer my last semester of college. Okay, so how is that like getting, like just being pretty raw and then getting offered a contract? And it seems like everyone's dream, but like why did you... You seem very level-headed, but why did you, like, turn that down to stay in school? Because I never wanted to be a professional athlete ever. Like, I remember my dad would always say, like, you can be anything you want, but don't be a professional athlete because that could end at any moment, and then what are you going to have, you know? So for me, it was like, well, if I do want to try it, I at least need to get my degree first so that if it doesn't go well for me, I'll have something to fall back on. And I felt like that was really the only way he would accept it. So um, that was one of the reasons. And then just my lack of knowledge of what rugby was in the US. I didn't know there was a professional team um, before I ever got invited out. I didn't know you could play for a national team. I didn't know you could go to the Olympics. I didn't know all of these things. So it it didn't seem like a big deal to me because I didn't even want to go out there in the first place. And my coach is like, just try. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and now, thanks to him, I'm here. Nice one. And so then when you were getting towards the end of your degree, you were kind of like, oh, I think I'll give this a bit of a shot. Well, I had actually had a conversation with the head of physical therapy at my school because that was my plan A. And I was chatting with her about it and trying to get her opinion. And she was just saying, well, you know, PT school is going to be here forever and ever. But like your athleticism isn't going to last. So if you can take advantage of it now, you might as well. 
Um, and she also said that if PT school is really your goal, like having the Olympics on your resume is going to get you into any PT school you want. So why not go and try? And then if it doesn't work out, just continue on your plan A. So after her advice, I decided that I wanted to try. Good so. stuff. And I heard you speak before um, that you went out there, got a contract, but then were you dropped? Yeah. <laughs> and in that moment, I'm like, see, I knew I should have never came out here. But um, I ended up getting brought out there my last semester of college from a coach. Her name was Jules. And um, she brought me on my first tour in Sao Paulo, Brazil, where I did a really good job. So I was pretty happy about that. Um, but skill wise, again, I, even after four years, like I couldn't pass. I could barely catch under pressure. Like if I got the ball in my hands, it was a good time. But if I didn't, you know, it was a bad time. And when we had a coach change, I think that was something that he realized. And even though he saw potential in me in terms of my size, my speed, and what I could be as a rugby player, he still didn't think it was at the same level as the girls that were there. So out of respect for them, I'm sure he was like, you can leave or you can go to a developmental program. And after some conversations with my parents and figuring out, you know, is this really what you want to, do you still really want to try or not? Um, I decided to stay and do the developmental program until um, he decided to bring me back in four months later. So were you still, like when you went over there, you signed like as a full-time pro and then that developmental program, were you still full-time player or? No, I wasn't getting paid. I wasn't, um, well, so I technically was getting paid because they were still providing me housing. And that's basically all that I was receiving in the first place. So I was still being provided housing and food, I want to say. So food and housing. So not a bad gig, I guess back then it wasn't. And so I was um, staying in the team house and then traveling 30 minutes or so to each day to train at Atavis while okay. also working a side job. Okay. So how, how is that schedule? You're like working full time and training? School. Yeah. I mean, it was tough. But one thing I was really good at was multitasking, so it was a it was like a challenge I was ready to accept. Um, so I was waking up at four ish to drive up and do our training session, and then I would head home, sleep, wake up, go to Buffalo Wild Wings, work like nine hours, and then just do that over and over again um, for four months, and then school in between that. And I I didn't have to do school too long because I graduated in May, like a month after I got cut. So um, that worked out for me in that area. But other than that, it was a lot of multitasking going on. Yeah, good stuff. And then you pretty quickly after that, like went to the 15th Royal Cup, got back in like, like zero to 100 kind of pretty quick again, was it? Yeah. Um, and I think about that a lot, too, because because I watch a lot of the newer players' journeys and they're so much different than mine. Um, 
a lot harder, I think, honestly, because I didn't have as much competition, not in that sense, but like I didn't have that as much competition as they do right now. Um, but for me, yeah, I went and did 15's World Cup, which was an amazing experience. Ireland was beautiful. I got to spend my birthday out there. Um, unforgettable moment. Um, and then I went on my first, I guess, second stop with the team in Dubai, in Sydney, Australia, in the following year. And as you said, just went buck wild and I, I never left. When you say they're like more difficult now, is that just like so more girls playing? Like I used to coach in the university in Lindawood women's team down there, but is it just more see that path that kind of is there now? Because you can go to the Olympics, you can do all that stuff, you can be yeah. full time. So is it just more numbers like the game's growing? Yeah, we're definitely getting some growth in in our pool for rugby. Girls are starting a lot younger. You have girls now coming in at 17, 18 years old, and they're good, which is really cool. Um, and the team is also doing really well on both the men's and women's side. So because of that, we're getting more eyes on the sport and more people becoming aware, as you said, of the possibilities that the sport can provide. Yeah, it's good. And talk to me about the your merch and your business, that kind of stuff. Um, so my brand, I started four years ago and it's slowly grown into this big, beautiful sunshine, ray of sunshine for me. Um, I started with my t-shirts and kind of went from there in terms of getting on multiple social platforms, getting my own website, um, starting a the hot seat with Nye on fire, doing giveaways for um, all my supporters on my platforms. Um, I feel like I'm leaving. Oh, I started a podcast with one of my teammates, Ilona Mar, called The Leo's Den, which has been really fun to do these past three seasons. Um, two seasons, sorry. And I have my shirt, which this is Chris's shirt, one of my teammates. So we love to support each other, but... Um, I have my Nye on Fire merch on my website, on my social platforms. And the importance of that for me was to just have an image that people could look at and know who it was and what it stood for. And for me, that image was myself, Nye on Fire. And what that means for me is just being on fire in everything I touch, whether it's the field, whether it's doing volunteer work, whether it's working with a girls rugby organization, um, whether it's having a side job, like I've always just found a way to get things where I needed them to be to benefit myself. And I think that's really important in a world where life's not fair and, and it's going to do whatever it wants and you have to figure it out. So for me, I just hope that that mantra inspires other people to understand that it's not always going to be easy. You're going to have to fight for things and problem solve. And that is OK. It's part of the journey. Awesome. And that's nyatapper.com. Yes, nyatapper.com. Good stuff. Do you set goals and like look into the future and think I want to be here and do that kind of stuff? I set very big goals, I guess I would say, um, in terms of like wanting to go to the Olympics, wanting to go to the World Cup. Right now, 
my big focus is staying the all-time try score for as long as I possibly can because <laughs> the girls are coming, which I think is great. Um, and then also seeing if I could set some more records in other places. Um, I would love to go to the World Cup this year, um, Pan Ams the year after that, and then the Olympics after that, and then decide if I still want to play or if I want to move into the more business or corporate side of rugby. Because even when I do decide to leave the pitch, I still want to help the sport as much as I possibly can because I see so much potential in it, especially in the U.S., and I have so many ideas. So I'm gathering all that together in the next three years so that when the time does come, I'm ready to help as much as I possibly can. But I think um, I was talking to somebody the other day and I realized one of my smaller goals was just being able to make a big hit on the circuit because I know I'm not known for that. And I know like that's not really something that I do well. So, but I know my body has the power to do it. So if I could put the fear aside and get the technique down, I think that would be a small goal that I would really love to accomplish. Nice. And how do you go about working on that? <laughs> um, I feel like it's so hard on the edge because you're a lot of the times chasing or trying to track. Um, but I want to say practicing on my shooting. I think a lot of the times those big hits come from people that bite down or shoot on people at the perfect time. So I'll just start practicing that with some of my fast teammates because it's easier to do it on people who you know are slower than you because you know they can't get away from you. But the steppy fast girls are the ones that make it scary. Yeah, it's a tough, like, it's tough in 15s, but, like, in 7s, like, there's just so much space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe start on the edge and then shoot hard on the second inside yeah. and the ball's coming from the other edge and she can't see you coming. Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to seeing that. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, what do you think has been, say, like, the most important factor in you getting to where you are today or getting to being the all-time leading try scorer? I think for me, it was my last coach, um, Brownie is what we called him. And we had a love-hate relationship. And I think one of the things that I took from him was that I could always get better, that I could always learn new skills. And I think I became a, a whole player under him versus just being known as the fast girl um, in terms of being able to disrupt rucks, poach balls, um, communicate extremely well on the attack and D side, get everybody organized on both sides as well, um, get into pod work for kickoffs. All these small skills that I would have never thought to try, he pushed me to do. Um, he pushed all of us to work harder than we we needed to at times because a lot of the times you get to a point where you're like, okay, you know, I'm good enough now. Like I can chill. And for him, you could never chill. So I think that his, my four years with him were probably the, the most growth I've had as a player and a person. That's cool to hear. And I, I play in coach as well, but that sounds interesting, the love-hate relationship. So yeah. how, and I, I understand it, I get you, but how did he like push you 
so much and you didn't hate and be like, oh, just he's a whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, you just know intentions and you know everybody is there to win and he wants to win. So he's like, I need you to do this so that you can win. And if you win, I win. And I think that's an important thing I try to remind my teammates about is like, you can't take certain things personal because you know, we all have the same goal at the end of the day. You know, we all want to get the gold medal. We want to get the big cash prize. Like we're all working towards the same thing. So with him, like even when there were times where I would be mad at him or he would be mad at me, I knew we had good intentions, even if they seemed super far away. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's really good because it's I think a good coach tells you what you need to hear versus what you want to hear, isn't it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, any pre-game routines or game day rituals? Or... I'm very simple. <laughs> I try. I like. I like to get a good night's sleep because I'm not a great morning person, and we usually have to wake up very early um, for tournament days. Um, for me, I usually stick to myself. Have my music eat breakfast because they force me to and then just kind of go from there. But for the most part, like um, quiet to myself. I'm doing my stretching before um, the games to make sure my legs are ready to go. Um, and just kind of observing everybody else, I guess, and, and kind of seeing what mood everybody else is in. But for the most part, I'm the same for each game. Good stuff. Thanks, Mill, for your time. Just one more question. Um, if you could relive one day in your career, what would it be? I think the day that I would want to relive, we were in Sydney, Australia, playing Australia. And I didn't get to play the game before and we had lost. So I was pretty pissed and pumped to go into this game against Australia I can't remember if we had to win or not, but we ended up winning that game and I ended up becoming the all-time try scorer for the first time in that game. And I think the main reason I remember that game is just because I was just so pissed off and it to be able to release it in a positive way was very cool to me. Great stuff. Well, thank you so much for your time. Hope that calf gets right and uh, looking forward to seeing you back at it in Toulouse in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hope you enjoyed the chat. If you did, please make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss an episode. And would you please send it on to some friends now? If you enjoyed hearing from Naya, I chatted with her teammate Lona Marr in episode 25 that you might also like listening to. I thought it was pretty interesting what she was saying about her love-hate relationship with her coach and how he made her the player that she is today somewhat. I know as a coach myself, a big skill is understanding how much to push your players and when to highlight and talk about their work-ons. I also know myself as a player that it's for sure sometimes difficult or doesn't feel great if a coach is telling you what you need to be better at like be better at this or that but at the end of the day of course that's how you get better so like Naya said you can't take it personally and also like she mentioned the coach wants you to be the best version of yourself you want to win they want to win so yeah you got to push each other another thing around this when 
I'm mentoring players one-on-one, -on -one, something I do is encourage them to be the ones that initiate those growth or work on conversations with their coaches. It can be pretty simple. You just ask the coach how they think you've been playing. Then ask them what's something that they feel you can improve on in your game and what's something that you should have a focus on improving over maybe the next four to six weeks. That then gives you a focus for your extras work outside of your team training. Thank you to those that support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash offfield rugby. Greatly appreciate it. On the Patreon, I share who's coming up on the pod and get your questions for them. But as well as that, the Patreon is a way of paying me the equivalent of the price of a coffee each month for the four podcasts that I put out. So if you can afford that and you'd like to support this podcast and help ensure it keeps coming out, you can sign up to on patreon.com forward slash offfield rugby. Thanks Emil for clicking in today. Oh, and I'm also working on a pretty exciting project for young players at the moment, but we'll chat more about that in the next week or two. Please follow me on Instagram at offfieldrugby. And yeah, thanks Emil for clicking in. Really appreciate it. Have a good one. Cheers.